This is the Truth Booth, and I am your host, Gordon Tamayo. Welcome to the spot where we go head to head with some of the most difficult conversations. We're talking about the type that sometimes can't even be discussed at the dinner table. We're not welcome in the institutional setting, or maybe can't even be discussed with the best friend. Everything from spirituality, sexuality, religion, politics, music, culture, family, and so much more. Get ready for some uncut and raw conversation that helps us get to the truth of the matter because we believe that the truth will set you free. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome wherever you are catching this from. My name is Gordy Tamayo. Super excited and stoked to get you on board for my upcoming guest here. His name is Brian Harrison and he's got a ton of insight to be able to share with us, especially on a most recent trip to a special place. And we're going to deep dive into what that experience was and then some takeaways that we kind of uh, want to tee up for him of what he took away from that place and how we can apply it into today's time frame. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, if you could give it up for my brother, Brian Harrison. <laughs> how you doing, brother? Really good. Hey, Gordy. Good. Hey. Good to see okay, you. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, no, yeah. I appreciate you jumping on board with me here. How's your morning started off so far? Yeah, amazing. Had a good yeah, morning. Yeah, it's technically the first day of summer, I think, too. Is it not? Right. 60 degrees yeah. outside, but yeah. Yeah, I know, huh? At least over here in Idaho, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I want to jump right into it because I know you just got back a couple weeks ago from the Holy mm-hmm. Land, right? You got back right. from Israel. And... Quite an experience. I bet I had still haven't had an opportunity to talk with you to unpack everything, but you gave me enough of uh, of a backdrop of what you experienced to compel me to say, "Hey, I need to talk to Brian a little bit more. Um, get him on board with the podcast here. Speak to him about what the whole intention of the trip was, and and really then just kind of unpack some of the takeaways and how that applies to today's yeah. day and age. And so that's really what I'm after mm-hmm. here today. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me kick start it with that if I could for you here. Like what was the initial thing that compelled you and the group that you went with to head over? And well, the theme of our gather, our trip to Israel was called the footsteps in the footsteps of the prophets. And we had um, a friend of mine, Timothy Johnson has been to Israel many, many times and had some connections, some really powerful connections there. And his hope was actually to, at some point, build a school of the prophets there. And they actually bought some property at one point near uh, Ramoth Gilead, where Samuel had his original school. And so, really? uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Mm. But this, uh, th- but then he said the Lord went silent on him five years ago, and they, he stopped talking about Israel. And so he didn't really yeah. know what was up. And then last fall, the Lord spoke again about Israel says it's time. And, uh, you know, God has purposes for Israel that have to do with the whole world and the whole church. And um, so we were there to go and walk the land to be in the footsteps of the prophets and hopefully awaken again the prophetic calling on the nation of Israel. I know that may sound a little bit presumptuous, but, Hmm. you know, God's people walk as God tells them to walk. And so we were going to go back to some of the historical sites of the prophets of old and, um, 
and just pray into them and see what the Lord would have for us. So, well, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, a couple of the things that I, that I heard from you, you know, on the previous conversation was um, the importance, if you would, of the city of David and really how it's taken on greater significance from an archeological perspective, um, but more so than that. And so I want to tap your brain a little bit on what that okay. means and what was uncovered in that particular space, if you could. Okay, yeah, sure. So um, the city of David is is part of Jerusalem, and um, but it's the it's in the southern part of the city of Jerusalem. A lot of focus over the last quite a few years, several hundred years actually, has been upon the Temple Mount. But uh, on the south side of the um, the city, uh, outside of the the gate or the walls of the old city, there's actually an even older site called the City of David. It's the original site of David's um, stronghold. It's there's been a lot of focus there because it's interesting. Sometimes we get the cart before the horse, and the original. Pr- foundations of what Jerusalem was, was found in the city of David. It's interesting that there's one main water source for all of Jerusalem. It's called the Gihon Spring. Mm-hmm. And the Gihon Spring is where, um, actually where Solomon was eventually anointed as the king. It's over on the Kidron Valley side. So Jerusalem has two major valleys, the Kidron Valley on the um, the wet on the east side and the Valley of Hinnom on the west side, and they come down and make a V. And in that V is where you have the Temple Mount, and but in the southern part of it, you have the city of David. Mm-hmm. And um, so they started digging there. And it was that it's interesting. Actually, Queen in the 1800s, Queen Victoria sent one of her captains, Captain um Oh, I'm trying to remember his name. I can't remember it. To go and find some of the treasures of Israel in eight, in the 1800s. And the Ottoman Turks were in occupation of Israel. And so he he couldn't actually get into Jerusalem. So he started digging at the south side and he found the city of David. And wow. he also found this ancient water spout, which presumably was the place where Joab climbed up to actually capture the city of Jerusalem for David. Hmm. And so it's interesting. Sometimes our way gets blocked, but the Lord has a bigger purpose in it. So in the city of David, what have they found? They've, they've, one of the things they found was um, a a huge cistern. It happens to be the cistern that Jeremiah was dropped into (laughs) Hmm. Uh, when he was trying to prophesy to King Um, one of the kings of Israel or Judah, and uh, the king wasn't listening to him. He was warning him about what God was saying about Jerusalem. So they dropped him into this cistern. Well, they've recently dug that out, out of the city of David, from the city of David. So that's like the the first site we went to. And when we were there, that that cistern represented represented for our trip the rejection by Jerusalem of the prophets. Hmm. At one point during our journey, I heard this in my ear: "Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that stones the prophets." 
and persecutes who are sent to her. And so today we went to that sister and it's huge. It's like bigger than my house. And we began to pray into that, that, the, that, that God, that the rejection of the prophets would be broken hmm. and that the prophetic word would begin to come to Jerusalem because God has a purpose for Jerusalem. And sometimes we're so caught up in our own things. We don't know that God is like knocking on the door and sure. saying, I want something in Jerusalem. Yeah. And our oh. trip coincided with this kind of global intercession that was happening that had been initiated by Mike Bickle. Let me, let me ask you about that in, in particular, because you've mentioned a couple names so far. Who was a handful of the people that, that went with you? And because I know there was a whole team of you that went, right? Yeah, there were 20, 25 of us actually that left, um, that went on the trip. One was, um, well, Timothy Johnson was the leader. He's a prophet out of um, Washington, Vancouver, Washington. And uh, an amazing man. He's a publisher, a printer. And then there was Lloyd Phillips, an apostle out of Montana. There was Lisa McFarlane, another uh, apostle out of Kansas. And then a whole core of us came from, from Idaho. And we just, um, so most of us were friends already. We knew mm -hmm. each other from various connections. But, uh, you know, a lot of different um, leaders in the group. I kind of wondered, how is our group going to do together? But. It turned out really amazing. Now I know I have a baby in the background. Is that? Oh, so don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, that's real life. We'll we'll deal with it. We'll we'll move with it. Yeah, okay. sorry. <laughs> no. The other thing that was really fascinating was Ellie Shukron was our tour guide, mm -hmm. and Ellie happens to be one of the um, foremost archaeologists in Jerusalem. As a matter oh, of fact, really? another tour guide caught up with our group one day and was conversing with Ellie for a moment. And then he said to our group, you are very lucky. This man is the Indiana Jones of Jerusalem. <laughs> and the longer we were with him, the more we realized that because after we went, after we went to Jeremiah's, that cistern and prayed into that, then he led us um, to the headwaters of the, um, of the Gihon Springs, which is leads us to a place called Hezekiah's Tunnel. Hezekiah's Tunnel was dug in like 700 BC. Mm -hmm. It was, um, so that's BC, before Christ, 700 BC, Hezekiah was the king of Israel and the Assyrians were, were king of Judah. And the Assyrians were coming into Israel and beginning to take over the cities of the northern part of the kingdom. The Gihon Spring ran on the outside of the city. And so he said, he, it says in the scripture that he wanted to turn the, turn the, the waters, uh, block the waters and send them back into the city. So they actually built a tunnel that would capture the water of the Gihon Spring so that they, the the city was what had access to the water. So this tunnel is a third of a mile long and it winds through bedrock. And it's actually an archaeological wonder because of how clean the cut is and 
as you can actually walk in that tunnel, you're walking with water in it through the water. And the tunnel is about, you know, anywhere from two feet wide to maybe four feet wide. Mm-hmm. And anywhere from five feet tall to maybe um, 50 feet tall. But mostly it's just right over your head. You got to kind of dig, duck down to walk through that tunnel. You can see it on YouTube. We um, we walked through that tunnel and it was really fascinating. And the 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 slope of the of the of the floor of the tunnel is only one foot difference between the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. If you can imagine digging through bedrock. Mm-hmm. And only having a one foot difference, and they they started from both sides of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And so, what's even more fascinating is that there are, during the time of the building of the tunnel, they chiseled some messages on the side of the rock on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these are some of the oldest man. Actually, part of those those things that were written on the wall are actually in the Bible, Yeah, some of those sentences. Hmm. And so the oldest biblical text we've ever found was on the wall of Hezekiah's tunnel. Wow. So, what is it, so what's the point? Well, the point is, is that when you go to Jerusalem, you, fe- you see the, the history, the story of God mm-hmm. in, with Israel in the actual landscape yeah it's not just a story it's not just a myth or just something that was repeated over and over again you you find the artifacts that is that are dug into the to the wall of the bedrock of jerusalem underneath mm. the city yeah that's pretty telling it's kind yeah. of it's pretty hard to argue against something like that and yeah. um no, that's exactly what I was thinking is that it they obviously put it there intentionally, right? It was there, it was meant to to withstand whatever happened throughout the ages there and be discovered eventually somebody was going to come across it and to be able to come across uh, a piece of scripture etched into you know bedrock in a wall to be what we know as the one of the oldest biblical records to exist and it happened how many years after the fact, right? So I find that pretty monumental. It also speaks to the fact that, you know, in a world and in a culture where the Bible is attempting to be eradicated from the planet, even from people's minds and their mouths, we still keep unearthing different pieces of history, right? That give credence to the fact that, hey, it's it's not going anywhere. God's word's not going anywhere. Um, We see it in the physical, right? Within this earth that God's etched it within the earth through people. But it's not going anywhere, and we keep seeing more and more pieces that validate the authority of Scripture. And so in a world that wants to believe that there's a thousand and one truths on the planet, we keep coming back to unearthing the fact that, hey, there is only one truth. And God keeps revealing it to us when we seem to forget it. Because who knows if they were intentionally thinking they were going to find something like that down there. I don't know. But my guess is they probably didn't. No, they were stunned, actually, and I mean, of course, that's that tunnel's been a, we've been aware of it for a long time. But here's here's an interesting thing. Again, the footsteps of the prophets. When you take the footsteps of the prophets, you end up finding more and more things. Mm-hmm. So, 
The Pool of Siloam has been, I mean, the, the Hezekiah's Tunnel has been known for a long time, and it emptied out into a little, small, little area where there was a pool. But it actually was supposed to end, uh, pour into a place called the Pool of Siloam. They thought they knew where it was, but they weren't really sure. And there was actually some debate of, as to whether or not that pool, there was a pool even called, actually was a pool of Siloam. So that was kind of blown off until in 2004, in the city of David, a water main broke in the city, just a normal water main mm. uh, that serviced the city. And so they went to the, they went to go dig out the water main to try to fix it. And as they were digging it out, they hit some bedrock. Hmm. And they said, well, we got something here. We're not quite sure. So they called the antiquities authorities. Ellie Shukron, our tour guide, showed up. Hmm. And he was listening to the back hole scrape against the rock. He said, stop, stop, stop. There's something down there. And when they started brushing aside, they started finding these ancient first century steps. Hmm. Wow. And uh, these huge blocks but they were clearly a staircase and they found mm -hmm. found five steps. And then they, and he's telling us this whole story as we're there looking at the whole thing. Then he, he said, we, we started digging to the right and there they found a corner mm -hmm. of the steps. So it was a step that went, moved into a corner and it and then went down. And then, then they found another set of steps even further down. So they found actually like 10 steps down into the, a pool. Mm -hmm. And um, and they found a flat surface. And then they they started digging the other direction, and the pool, the edge of the pool went 150 feet. Wow. <laughs> and they so now you have this huge the first steps of the pool of Siloam. Now they've speculated they can't, they haven't been able to find more than that. The rest of the pool, apparently the, the, the stones were used later to build other buildings because there mm -hmm. you have hewn stones right there. And so yeah. they were probably used to build during the Ottoman period and all the various times. But when they found that, you know, two corners and 150 feet, of stairs, they realized mm -hmm. we've actually found the ancient pool of Siloam. And if you'll you'll remember mm -hmm. that the pool of Siloam is, is mentioned in John chapter 9. And in John 9, the disciples and Jesus run across a man who's been born blind. Mm -hmm. And they asked, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? And Jesus said, neither. But this man's sickness is for the glory of God. Yeah. And um, and then he heals him. And then at the end of that story, you know, the, the, the Pharisees began to argue with this man mm -hmm. who was born blind, who gets healed by Jesus. They argue with him. He said, trying to get him to disassociate from Jesus because Jesus healed mm -hmm. him on the Sabbath day. Right. <laughs> And he's like arguing with him. He said, this is a funny thing that you th you think this man is evil when he healed me when I was born blind, and mm -hmm. uh, which has never been heard of before. You know, he, right. he's arguing with the Pharisees, and they keep trying to get him to disassociate from Jesus. And he says, well, why do you keep asking me questions? You don't want to become disciples also, do you? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 
At the end of the story, Jesus makes comes back to the blind man and says, for this reason, brought into the world to bear witness to the truth and or to, to bring light into the world. And, and then he says something to the Pharisees. He says, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But, but since you say that you can see, sin your sin remains. remains. Yeah. And what I believe that, that the pull of Siloam signals something about the opening of blind eyes mm -hmm. because that pool has caused so many people to really start thinking mm. it's like wow what is here is another proof and it's a yeah. it's like bigger than life it's huge mm. it's not a small little archaeological fact it's a huge <laughs> one yeah but here's here's the fascinating thing beside the Pool of Siloam. So a couple of years later, this same man, Ali Shakran, Elijah Shakran, he found an aqueduct that was actually drained the city. And, and he found shafts that went up to the main part of the city so, so the rainwater could drain into this aqueduct. But they mm -hmm. found, but they didn't know it was there. And so they started digging it and they found all these ancient artifacts they found thousands of coins mm -hmm. from the first century including wow. a coin that sec said the second year of the revolt hmm. now that coin is is referencing the revolt references when the jews revolted against rome yeah Remember, wow. that was the beginning of the end. This is in 66 AD that the Jews decided we don't want to be under Rome's rule anymore. And if you remember back before Jesus died, he prophesied that the, that, that the city of Jerusalem and the temple itself would be absolutely destroyed. Right. Well, now prophecy is playing out. And so in this aqueduct, they found these coins. Why did they find these coins? Well, because at the end of the war, many of the Jews hid in that aqueduct. Mm -hmm. And actually, there's a man named Josephus who actually mentions the aqueduct in his Wars of the Jews and says mm -hmm. that 2,000 Jews hid in that place mm -hmm. and they were killed by the right. Romans. Right. So they also found a Roman sword in the aqueduct. More proof. They found all <laughs> kinds of crazy things. The, the Jews actually minted coins during the revolt. So the one coin said the second year of the revolt. But they also, well, yeah, I mean, it's so, I mean, there's so much, Gordy. Sorry, I'm just keep going on and on. Oh, that's great. That's but what I wanted to get from it. I'll just say one more thing. As they were digging that aqueduct, they looked up and they saw a staircase pattern. So then they went, after they dug out the aqueduct, which was a long process and pretty arduous, because they were just digging it out by hand, parts of it, mm -hmm. until, and then they would have to reinforce it with steel beams. Yeah. But then they looked up and they saw the staircase pattern, so they realized there's another staircase, and this is not on the main road. We're 20 feet below the main road, mm. or further. So they started digging out the staircase, and they realized that the staircase led to the Pool of Siloam, or it started at the Pool of Siloam, and led all the way up to the Temple Mount. So now here's the picture. So what, what was the Pool of Siloam? It was an ancient, what you call a mikvah, 
a Jewish baptismal. And so when the pilgrims would come, and it was huge. It was like two Olympic, they, they, they speculate, the size of two Olympic swimming pools. Yeah, that's huge. Mm. So when the pilgrims would come to Jerusalem three times a year, they would first go into the ritual bath, the, the ancient mikvah, the pool of Siloam, cleanse themselves, and then they would begin to take the stairs, which were an ascension to the Temple Mount. <laughs> so literally the steps of ascension or the steps of ascent, where they would sing the songs of ascent, mm -hmm. which are Psalm 120 through 134 in the scripture. But it, it, it just speaks of before we, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who mm. has clean hands and a pure heart pure is not lifting up his soul to an idol and in whose mouth is no deceit. I mean, it's so amazing because it's like God is uncovering the original design of Jerusalem. Mm. You know, Jerusalem, everybody wants their own way with the city. Years ago, the Lord told me that the religious spirit was retreating to Jerusalem. And you have you have so much religion. You have, you know, every time there's a, somebody thinks something significant happened, somebody builds a church there. Hmm. And the Temple Mount is full of churches. But it's almost as if God is, has pulled back from the Temple Mount and focused on the city of David. Let's focus on the foundations. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's, that's how are we going to get to the temple now. mount that's huge no this is great this is great a history lesson here in in the making right as we're living we're walking out going back to the original like you said foundation to uncover certain truths that people can ponder on they can uh, begin to question maybe everything they even thought they knew and i see with all that you're sharing here again it points to the fact that the authority of scripture remains. God doesn't need to even make right. a case for himself, but he's like right. strengthening the case that already was there by what right. we're witnessing here. And you can't deny it, right? Like this is archaeological, physical evidence for those that actually Amen. are the kind that need to see it. They're, yeah. they're, they're being given it and you're having <laughs> to contest with that yourself now, now that it's in front of you. And it makes me think, of back to the premise of what you said your guys' theme was in the in the prophet's footsteps or in the footsteps of the prophets. And I got to thinking, okay, well, how did, how did they walk then and how can we learn from them as well, right? Because we see a lot of stuff happening in our culture today that would be considered contrary to the way that they walked. It would be antichrist, if you would. And so one of those pullaways or takeaways was that they – the message that they carried involved more than the words that they spoke, right? It also involved the way that they walked before the Lord. So in other words, Amen. they, they walked the walk and they talked the talk, right? Yes. They did what they said they were supposed to do and going to do, et cetera. We don't see Amen. a whole lot of that taking shape today, or at least, you know, a lot of pockets seem to be popping up where people really aren't adhering to the authority of scripture, to the word of God and being willing to take whatever consequence comes along with that. And so I want to, tap into that a little bit and pick your brain uh, as to asking maybe why, why that's the case. There's all kinds of things that are unearthed, being unearthed today. I just want to mention this one quick uh, piece of news that came out back in, I want to say two or three weeks ago, back in June 9th, where we had over 300 people lined up to witness uh, an attended experiment of a AI 
powered church service over in St. Paul's Church in the Bavarian town of Firth, Germany. I don't know if you heard about that. And, you know, the, the whole concept of, of AI, it has just exploded, right? And things are going just massively crazy right now with new developments every single day, something new is coming out. And, and there's some great stuff with technology. We're using technology right now, right? There's AI involved in what we're doing right now. But I found it quite interesting that this particular service, which was an idea conceived by Jonas Simmerlein, he's a theologian and philosopher from the University of Vienna. And this particular event was part of like a larger convention that they do every single year. In his own words, 98% of that sermon uh, was constructed by AI. So he literally probably put in a couple sentences and said, push the button and allowed right. um, AI to lead the, the service. And so my question right. to you is when we see stuff like this taking place, and, and I'm not going to give my opinion right now just on one way or the other. Right. But I, I want to ask you, like, does this signal uh, an abuse of technology or does it raise alarms behind how religious leaders uh, may opt to utilize technology to instruct audiences? Because as many as are led of the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Mm-hmm. And I actually believe that the history of mankind is coming to a crisis. And it's between the sons who have been raised by the Spirit versus mankind trying to be, be God without God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that you have, you have like, a, you have a, a, conf, a, a confrontation. And so when you're like using AI to preach your sermon, then where's the spirit of God in all of that? Mm-hmm. Is the spirit of God going to brood over a computer? Is that what God has done? You know, man, the reason mankind was given as the connection between heaven and earth. Mankind himself is the key between heaven and earth. Earth dies without heaven's presence on and 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 the blessing of god and so that ai is just i'm not saying i'm not trying i'm not like against ai as a a matter of course but i'm talking what does man do with it if Mm -hmm. man some the footsteps of the prophets essentially says you can't take any shortcuts Mm-hmm. God leads us by wow. a spirit. And sometimes yeah. he leads us counterintuitively. Mm-hmm. In other words, the opposite direction. So everybody wants to go to the Temple Mount, but God takes us back to the city of David. Right, right. To find the staircase. Mm-hmm. There's a se- the secret place of the stairs, it says in Song mm-hmm. of Solomon. Mm-hmm. The, the, he brings us back to the pool of Siloam. What is the pool of Siloam? It's a mikvah. It's a place of cleansing. It's a place of baptism. It's a place of washing, getting right, starting back with God, doing the way things the way the, the Lord wants us to do it. You can take all the shortcuts in the world, Gordy, but it's not mm-hmm. going to get you there any faster. Man's yeah. shortcuts delay the purposes of God. But when we submit to the yoke of Christ and go in the way he wants us to go, then the true treasures begin to be unveiled. Yeah. So God is bringing, Jerusalem is a parable for the whole world. What God does in Jerusalem, he's saying to the world. It's the city of the great king. And God's putting his truth on display in that city. 
like it yeah. or not, you know, even the Jews, some want it, some don't want it. But the Lord's going to have his way. That's so profound to think about. I love what you said just a second ago. Man's shortcut. How'd you say that? Man's shortcut yeah. is not God's purposes, right? It doesn't get you there right. any faster. No, it and, isn't. Uh, it's going to delay you. The earlier example you gave about um, this uncovery with the cistern, I, I think about Jeremiah, and I'm like, man, if he would have taken a shortcut, he could have taken a shortcut because he went mm-hmm. through it, right? It was it was horrible, right. some of the things that he went through. And Zedekiah, which I believe was the king during that time, you know, ended up, I think he was the one that ended up getting his eyes gouged out eventually, right? Um, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. I'm like, man, if he would have taken a shortcut, you know, we probably wouldn't have some of the stuff that we have today. And right. just like many others in a similar bout where they could have taken a different route, but they took the painstaking route regardless of it, because it was what God had called them to. And it was actually what was going to fulfill their particular purpose. And so as they're being led by the spirit of God and being led into fulfilling their purpose, I begin to wonder, you know, why is it that many today aren't following suit? If that's the case, if we have the viable evidence that gives authority to scripture and we see that people before men of God, women of God walked with the Lord in such a manner then what is keeping people from following suit? Why are they, why do they struggle so much in, in doing so? Why are they getting distracted by other things that um, would cause them to think that, hey, it can be done a different route or it can be manipulated to do it in a particular way? Am I, am I being too vague there? Not at all, because, I mean, it's a $64,000 question because, but the fact is, is that just because you know a thing doesn't mean that you will submit to a thing. You can know the truth, but mm-hmm. it's those who, if you abide in my word, you're disciples of mine, Jesus said. Mm-hmm. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set you free. There's a difference yeah. between knowing information and actually knowing the truth. And you, mm-hmm. I always say this, you don't know a thing till you become a thing. Mm-hmm. In other words, if, if the truth doesn't really come and find a home inside of us, mm-hmm. then we're going to resist it. Right. We want mankind, you know, the hardest deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know what Jeremiah right. said? In other words, man is, can in, insist on his own way. But God says, no, I have a way for you that's better than you have for yourself. And I have a destiny for you that you cannot reach mm-hmm. unless you come with me. A lot of people are trying, they're, go, they're saying, okay, God, I have it from here. I've got it. And they may even have some truths that they may even believe in Jesus, but they don't keep that open channel between them and the Lord. The footsteps of the prophets leads to the culmination of divine purpose. Mm-hmm. And you have we have to you have to surrender along the way. Doesn't you know our our trip was not just to go to the historical places, yeah, but to find and to to tap into the prophetic anointing of those first prophets, all pointing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said it, the whole scriptures point about, talk about me. Wow. And Jesus is like the culmination, this wide bunch of information. It all comes down to Christ. Yeah. Amen. And Christ is the, is the fulfillment of everything that the scriptures teach and, and, and more so. 
and then it fans then the the purpose of history fans out and god be, jesus from jesus god has sons and daughters who are going to um incarnate his word and demonstrate his word so to yeah. be in the footsteps of the prophets or the footsteps of jesus even we've got to walk the way he walked yeah that's great. And this has been so good. Not only give us a little bit of a history lesson, but drop some nuggets of wisdom as well with what God was speaking to you and many others through this particular trip. And so before we check out, uh, I want to give you an opportunity just to give a plug where people can find you at. Because Brian actually leads the charge with an organization called Commanded Blessing. And I didn't mention that up front, but Commanded Blessing is the name of the organization so you can find them on their commandedblessing.org is the website um but anything else you want to share with listeners well i got you for the next couple seconds yeah um you know just the, the i when i when i was in jerusalem i i went to the wailing wall with one piece of scripture it was i wrote uh, on the paper isaiah 62 and Isaiah 62 is a call to the watchman on the wall to pray for God's purposes to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Like I said, Jerusalem is a parable to the whole world. And God is using that city to wake up the world. And, um, and when I was at the Wailing Wall, I felt to invite um, you know, all of God's people to join God in his purpose in seeing Jerusalem become a praise in the earth. God wants to demonstrate the truth. And um, and if you'll yield your heart to the spirit of God, you'll be amazed at where he begins to draw you. You know, the world tries to fit us, fit us into its mold, but God has a unique mold for every person, a unique expression that only you can bring. Amen. And as yeah. you will listen and tap into the internal spirit, the spirit of God inside of you, you'll begin to hear the call of God on your life. Yeah. Amen. That's what it means. Medic. That's right. It's to hear God yeah. and to respond. Yeah. You too can walk in the footsteps of the prophets. <laughs> Amen. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, Amen. thank you once again for tuning in to the truth booth. Gordon tomorrow here until next time. <laughs>